1: To Kalo's church. I love all the time of making friends. Like sometimes I have a hard time coming up here and telling you guys to stop talking to each other. Um, but I am really excited about the word that is coming today. And man, Pastor Pradeep and I want you to know that we felt. Your prayers. I don't know if you've ever been sick for a while, and you're like, "Come on, body, get healthy. Let's go." But I, we felt your prayers. We felt your support and love. Thank you so much, church, for being so incredible. This is my happy place. You know how like you have happy places in your world. This is my happy place, and I'm so happy to be with you guys today. For those of you that are joining online this morning, welcome to Kayla's Church. We are one body, and I'm so happy to see you all here today and um, this is such a special time I believe in our church. God is doing something here that's really special. He, we, we came out of this kind of intense year still kind of in a bit of an intense another year right but it, it, it feels like God is wanting to rebuild And so we've been in this series in Nehemiah, and we're talking about rebuilding. And what we recognize when Pastor Preepin first opened up this series is we have to understand what has been destroyed, what has been uh, just lost, what has happened in different areas of our lives so that we can actually rebuild them. We can't rebuild them without knowing what they are, right? And so today, I want to talk about something that I believe has we have struggled with because it's been a little bit demolished. It's been destroyed. It's kind of gotten lost in all of the craziness of this last year and this year. And that is rebuilding the call of God on your life rebuilding the call of God on your life and you say well how can I do that only God does that well there is a participation that we have in rebuilding the call of God on our lives let me ask you this question how many of you feel like you used to have a sense of God's call on your life but it feels lost Maybe you used to have a sense of the direction in which you were going in, and you're not quite sure what direction you're going in anymore. How many of you feel like, you know what, I don't even really know what I'm passionate about anymore. I've kind of lost my passion. Can I just tell you, this last year and all the crazy things that have happened, it kind of killed the passion, right? And, and it's been really difficult to kind of get back up and be like, where, where are you? I think there's just a lostness that has come over us. So if you're somebody and th- that has said, you know what, I don't even know what I'm passionate about anymore. I don't know what the call of God is on my life. I've never really thought about the call of God on my life. But I feel like I used to have a direction in which I was walking. And now I don't really know. If those are some questions that you're asking, this is a message for you today. And I believe God wants to speak to you. We're in the book of Nehemiah. and Nehemiah chapter 1, we see that Nehemiah is having a conversation with his brother and some friends. And he is serving the king, the same King Xerxes that we see in the book of Esther. And Nehemiah is having this conversation. He says, bro, how are the people of Judah doing? And we pick up in chapter 1, verse 3, and this is what his brother reports back to him. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was in the fortress of Susa. Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived in Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great Trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. So we see here that this is bad news. And Nehemiah has a really strong response to this bad news. And the response is that he weeps, it breaks his heart. And much of what I'm going to preach this morning is influenced by a pastor named Pastor Craig Rochelle at Life Church in Oklahoma, and you know what? I heard this message, and I thought, you know what? I've got to pass this message along, and this is a practical message. How many of you like practical messages, right? Like, it's nice to be inspired, but it's kind of nice to be able to walk away and know what to do next, and that's my prayer for you today. And so Nehemiah, a regular guy, he's not a contractor, he's not a priest, he's not really anything important, and you know what he does? He takes it upon himself, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And there was a time when I remember I took it upon myself to be a hero and save some baby birds. There was a nest of baby birds that fell on my balcony Several years ago, this was actually before Pastor Prettypen and I started dating. And this, this, these babies were on my balcony, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like their mother is probably looking for them and can't find them, and I just, just, I wept and my heart broke for these little baby birds. And so I called this boy that I liked, who I needed some extra excuse to hang out with, Pastor Prettypen, and um, I called him and I was like. We have a disaster on our hands. We have an opportunity to be heroes. Will you come to my apartment and will you save these baby birds with me? And he must have liked me too, because there's no way that he would have come and and rescued these baby birds. And so I felt such compassion and brokenness over these baby birds, but I also was a little bit grossed out and I didn't actually really want to touch it. So I asked him to come over, and he goes, well, Aretha, listen, if I touch this nest, my my scent is going to get on the baby birds and the, the nest, and the mom is not going to come back and, and, like, see them and, and help them. And I was like, what? A mother doesn't leave her babies. Can you just smell neutral? How hard can that be? Just, like, don't put on deodorant and don't, like, like wash some clothes. Like, just make sure that you're neutral because we have to save the birds. And so, Pastor Pradeepin came, and he lifted up uh, the nest, and he took it downstairs and left it by this, uh, uh, by this tree. And the next morning, I woke up, and I never knew whatever happened to those baby birds in that nest. But I would like to think that we saved a family that day, and that those baby birds have been rescued. And can we give it up for the hero of this story right here, Pastor Pradeepin, who saved the birds? He saved the birds. And, you know, while I never felt the call of God for the rest of my life to save baby birds, there are moments where something that makes us weep, something that makes us have such a deep burden in our hearts, something that actually makes us angry is something God can do with. He can create something out of that. We need to pay attention to moments of injustice, to moments where there's issues, to moments where you can't stand what's happening to people in the world, and it breaks your heart, and it makes you weep. Pay attention to those moments because God, in those moments, wants to speak to you about your calling. He wants to speak to you about a passion that you actually have that he wants to form and make a difference with. Nehemiah did this. He heard this bad news. His response was to grieve and to mourn and to weep. And what happened? He felt the call of God on his life to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. The burden you bear often reveals the calling you'll embrace. I want you to think about that. What is a burden? What makes you weep? What has broken your heart? Listen, this last couple years, I'm sure there's something that has made you angry, that has made you say, I have to do something about this. I can't wait and let someone else do all of it. Some of us, though, in this last couple years have been disoriented. Can I be honest? I, too, have felt disoriented. We had a passion, we had a call, we were on our way, we were taking steps in the direction, and then a pandemic hit. And then crazy political things hit. And then grieving and mourning, some racial injustices hit. And then a diagnosis that we received hit. Something that happened to our children hit and we became disoriented. We were gonna start a business, but that went out the window. We were gonna go back to school, But I didn't really have enough money, and so I never really was able to follow through with that. We were going to jump into leadership at our church, but lost our passion for Jesus. I don't even really know where it went. I used to be excited about who God is. I always dreamed of helping people, but now I just don't know. The same depression that I had last year is now carried over to this year, and we're disoriented. We're not walking these steps that God is asking us to take. And today, I want to share three principles from Nehemiah that I believe will help us rediscover and rebuild the calling that God has on our lives. The first one is this. We need to seek God faithfully. Look at verse 4 of Nehemiah chapter 1. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. There's one thing that Nehemiah did over and over and over again in the whole book of Nehemiah. In fact, 12 times we see Nehemiah petition God before he makes any step, before he makes any move in the direction of rebuilding the walls. He goes to God 12 times. You know that it actually says that He heard the news in the month of Kislev. The month of Kislev in our calendar is the months of about November and December. And he prayed until the month of Nisan, which is four months later, you guys. Nehemiah prayed for four straight months. Some of us can't even get through ten minutes of prayer. This dude prayed for four months before he acted, before he took a step. He sought God faithfully. And do you know why I believe he did that? Because he knew that it would be impossible for a cupbearer to approach the king and tell him that he wants to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He knew that it would be impossible because you know what a cupbearer is? A cupbearer is someone who is, who is dedicated to taking uh, pressure and challenges and problems and burdens off the king. As a cupbearer, you do not dare go to the king and ask for something or put burdens on the king. No, this is a person who just takes burdens off. This is what a cupbearer does. And so we see all of a sudden in chapter 2 verse 1, I had not been sad in his presence before. He had prayed for four months saying this. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? I believe that the only reason the king noticed the sadness of heart, the disposition of Nehemiah is because he sought God faithfully. He sought God faithfully. So he didn't actually start the conversation. Did you notice the king said, hey, you look sad. And that was the opportunity for Nehemiah to step in to talking to the king about what he felt God wanted him to do. And look what happens in verse 4. The king said to me, what is it that you want? And what does Nehemiah do? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. He prayed again and again and again. Nehemiah seeks God faithfully we have to notice that Nehemiah walks intimately with God. And in those four months, I believe that Nehemiah had this relationship with God, long of prayers, just a time of communion with God, where he knew God and God knew him. And they were able to go back and forth to the point where when Nehemiah is standing in front of the king, he knows exactly what to say because the spirit of God is in him. He's able to ask God. God, God responds to him. He's kind of sending text-like prayers back to God. And I want us as a church, as people of God, to walk so intimately with God. We seek him so faithfully that we know exactly what he wants us to say. We know exactly what step to take because we are with him. Have you ever wondered, there are times in my life where I'm like, I don't really know what God wants from me right now. But then I realize, well, I haven't really talked to him. I don't really know. I haven't leaned in. I haven't really sought him. I want us to go and create this intimate place with God like Nehemiah had because he got favor from the king. There is nothing too big for God in prayer, nothing too big for his power, and nothing too small for God's heart. All that Nehemiah had, listen to this, all he had was passion. And that qualified him. Some of you are waiting to be told by someone that you have a position enough to qualify you. That is not true. You don't need to be appointed by man if you have a call from God. Can I get a good amen? If you have a call from God, if you have passion in your heart, you don't quite know what to do with, seek God faithfully. He will show you exactly what steps to take next. When Pastor Fredipan and I felt like God called us to plant a church, we started talking about this. And we walked. We, we lived in rural Michigan. And we walked on this dirt road where we lived. And for two years, that's all we did is walk and pray and walk and pray. And we cried over the fact that there were people who didn't know Jesus because they they haven't been told the gospel, but we had and so we wept over that. And we wanted to do something about that. It broke our hearts. But all we did for two years is walk and pray. We didn't tell anybody. We didn't go to anybody. We didn't tell anybody. And then by the time it was time to go to our pastor and say, Pastor, we feel like this is happening. I'm going to tell you what. It was actually kind of scary. We felt like Nehemiah. And we go to our pastor. And we're like, pastor, we feel like God has put on our heart to plant a church. And do you know that our pastor showed us favor? And he said, you know what, I'm going to fly you down to Alabama because there's a bunch of church planters down there. And I want you to get connected with this church planting organization. And I want you to touch base with them. And so we did. We flew down there. And then it was time to figure out where we were going to plant. And so what did we do? We prayed again. And we didn't quite know. We, we heard God say when we prayed, this is kind of what happens when you're having a life with God and you hear different things. It's not always perfect. So, uh, so we're listening to God and he says this test. He says, plant a beautiful church in a beautiful place. Ah. So we thought for sure it was Florida some of you know this story. We got on a plane. We flew to Florida. Andrew and Rachel Jennings were with us. We had an 11-month-old baby. We flew to Florida, to Tampa, Florida, and we thought, oh my gosh, this is a beautiful place, right? We get off the plane instantly in our hearts and our spirits. We know, "Eh, wrong. That is not where God wanted us to plant. So what did we do? We fly back to Michigan. We're embarrassed before our pastor. And we're like, oh, it's not Florida. But we couldn't just make up somewhere. This had to be God. So we prayed again. And we fasted and prayed for three days. And do you know that on the third day, Pastor Prit even wakes up and he says, oh, Amritha, God spoke to me in a dream. And he told me about this location called Bellevue. And I said, what's a Bellevue? And he said, I think it's a location. So we looked it up on Google. And sure enough, it was out here. Plant a beautiful church in a beautiful place. Do you know that, that the word Bellevue means beautiful view? Do you know that God literally called us, this is not stuff you can make up, God literally called us to plant a beautiful church in a beautiful place. It wasn't going to be a perfect church. It wasn't going to be the answer to all the problems, but it was going to be us serving a perfect God. And loving as many people as we possibly could. I tell you what, if you need direction again for your life, seek God faithfully. If you don't know what you're passionate about, I've heard so many people say, Reetha, I don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't know what God wants me to do. I'm lost. I'm floundering. If that's you, seek God faithfully. All you have to do is say, God, I want to do something meaningful. I want to give you my heart. Would you show me? And he will. So number one, seek God faithfully. Number two, define your vision clearly. Most people don't have a hard time caring. They have a hard time finding clarity. It's not an issue of of caring. It's an issue of clarity. This is where many of us get stuck. But look at Nehemiah 2 verse 4. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. In one sentence, absolute clarity. One sentence. Nehemiah told the king, please send me to Judah so I can rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. That's it in one sentence. And you know what? I think that many of us struggle with a cluttered vision. This is what we do. I'm just going to read this because I wrote this and I like it. We don't say, well, King, uh, like, Uh, I'm I'm thinking about maybe possibly learning how to build, but I don't know. Like maybe I'll watch some DIY YouTube videos because the walls are destroyed and I thought maybe if it's okay with you, but if it's not, I mean, I could ask my mom or wait till next year because I don't really have a ton of time or money. Time or money, sound familiar? And actually, when I think about it, I need to check off some things on my to-do list and I'll just wait and if it gets worse and then I might try to gather a few people to help, but I don't really know. But if I can't, I'll just post about it and bring awareness online to it and maybe someone else will just do it. Some of us talk ourselves out of the calling before we even get started. We gotta stop talking ourselves out of it in one sentence. It doesn't even have to feel that spiritual. In one sentence, what is God calling you to do? Well, God is calling me to help children. Well, what children? Where? Are children that are illiterate, children that are in school, special needs children, children that are in poverty, what children? And where do you think God wants you to do it? Does he want you to help children in your community, in your state? Do you know that I know of an organization right now in the state of California, their only mission in one sentence is to get every foster care child out of foster care and into an adopted home, one sentence. That is their mission. And they are on a mission. And they are seeing hundreds of children come out of foster care. It is incredible what God will do. Listen, if you can't define it, you can't do it. Definable is doable. Definable is doable. So define it, make it clear. Some of you, God is calling you to lead your family to be debt free by the year 2025. One sentence debt free. God may be calling you to finally have a conversation with the neighbors who you have been scared to tell about Jesus, but they really need Jesus. He's calling you to share the gospel. God might be leading you to make a plan with the person that you've been dating forever and to get serious and to make a plan for when you're going to get married. That might be the next step. One sentence, get married. Get married. And God may be asking you to do something brave like start a small group at Kalos Church. Do you know that this summer is like the best time to step out there and do something maybe you've never done? It's a seven-week summer stint of small groups. And it is the best time. And some of you are are talking yourselves out of it. I tell you what, if, if there's any nudge, if there's any burden, I encourage you to step out and walk in it. In one sentence, what is God leading you to do? I'm going to keep using the example of Kalos Church. God gave us one sentence. And the sentence was, Make known the beauty of Jesus. And I tell you what, we were like, Okay, what does that mean? And so we began to seek God faithfully. And He gave us a sentence. And we began to just be obedient. And I tell you what, in three years, oh, man, in three years, God has done stuff that I is beyond my understanding and beyond my imagination. I'm going to read some statistics, and I want you, church, to clap, and I want you to holler, and I want you to give God glory for what I'm about to tell you, because only he could have done this. Do you know that in only three years to this day, we have 402 people who have raised their hands to surrender their lives to Jesus? Come on. He has called us to equip leaders and workers for the harvest. And we've had a total of 241 dream teamers who have helped make this church operate and run and give glory to God. We have had over 100 small groups, come on, that is incredible for a little baby church plant. He's called us to make a difference in our community and we've had 14 outreaches where we have stepped out and we have cared and we have tried to love our community. And this is one of my favorites. We represent so many nations right here in this room. I have never been a part of a church so diverse in my life. This is incredible. God is doing something beautiful. Make the vision clear. So we see God faithfully. We define the vision clearly. And then number three, this is super important. Plan carefully, not perfectly. Plan carefully, not perfectly. Do you know that a goal without a plan is a wish? Some of us just keep wishing our way year after year. I wish I could do this because we're not putting a plan together. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is get organized. And all of the admin type one people said, amen. Can I hear you? Amen. You might lean on the vision side. You might be somebody who has an idea. I had a friend who literally had a new calling every single month of her life. And she just was an idea person and a vision person. But there was nothing ever came to be because she was afraid it wasn't perfect. So she just kept having new ideas. You know that God is a God of order, he's a a systematic God. We live in a solar system. Let's do it. Let's try that again. We live in a solar. We live in a solar system. God is a God of order. Plan carefully. Plan carefully. Okay, I want you to watch this. Nehemiah 2.6. The king with the queen sitting beside him. Thank God the queen was there. Can I Let's just say that. How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. The king asked, "Watch this. How long will your journey take, and when will you be back?" Nehemiah didn't say, "Uh, I don't know. I didn't really think about it. I'll keep it posted." That is not what happened. Nehemiah went into the conversation with the king knowing the answer to the question. And you know why? Because Nehemiah needed the king's help in order to make the walls of Jerusalem happen. And so in verse 7, we see, I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's force, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a, a house for myself. He had specific requests for the king. The specific request is that Nehemiah needed protection. And he needed provision. He knew that he was going to need to ask the king for those things in order to make it happen. You know why the king knew that Nehemiah was a legitimate investment? Because Nehemiah sought God. He made the vision clear. And because he planned carefully. He knew before the king asked what questions he needed to be able to answer. The king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. The king knew Maybe you're saying, Amrita, I want to create a plan, but I don't have the perfect plan. I never said have the perfect plan. I said have a plan. Too many people stop right here because it's not perfect enough. And so I want to teach you something. This is what I tell people. When you, you say, Amrita, I have this idea. I have this vision. What do I do? I say, hey, get the ball rolling. Do the next right thing today. I would rather execute a good plan today with passion then execute a perfect plan months from now without passion. Listen, success is not accomplishing your dream. Success is doing the next right thing today step by step be clear you know we have some awesome people in our church that are doing this and living this life Andrew Jennings actually had a dream to build a music studio in his backyard and it took several years for him to get to this place but he took the steps he talked to his wife they saved some money they bought a house and then I asked Andrew I said what are some of the steps that you had to do day after day and he said well first of all I had to draw out a plan on paper the next step I had to get professionals to help me create blueprints the next day the next right thing to to do was apply for a permit then i needed to negotiate the work and all these different steps that he took to see it happen i want you to look this is literally a work in progress right now i have pictures look at this look at this that is one step do the next right thing today and then we're gonna see where we're headed look at that another step this is literally in the jennings backyard right now i saw this with my own eyes yesterday you can go to the next picture and look at this, the concrete, the foundation is built one step at a time. What is the next right step God is calling you to do? I love this visual. I love that he step by step did what God is calling him to do. You got to get the ball rolling. Some of you, it might be my, my dream. What God wants me to do is save money for a house. What is the next step you need to do to do that? Some of you might be saying, I need to change jobs. What is the next step for you? Some of you are like, I need to ask this girl out that I've had a crush on, go buy a new shirt. Ask me for some restaurant recommendations. I'll tell you where to go because there's some really great food in this city if you haven't noticed. But what is the next right thing for you? Plan carefully, not perfectly. If you have a good idea, go learn about it. Take an online class. Talk to a mentor. Write a business plan. Listen to a podcast. We, church, have got to not talk ourselves out of the calling God has for our lives. He needs us. We are the vessels in which he is using to change the world. To bring life in darkness. So we need to seek God faithfully. We need to make the vision clear. We need to plan carefully, not perfectly. And number four, I know I told you I had three points, but this is a secret point, okay? You get a bonus point today. Number four is this. Don't quit. It's really, like, it's, it's simple, but it's not simple, right? To not quit. Don't quit. You know, the, the last year and a half has been disorienting, and it's been hard, and, it, and it's, it's kind of wrecked us. But I believe that God is calling us to rebuild. He is calling us to, to notice what breaks our hearts. And in the last three years, I, I, I tell you what, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that in a second, but Nehemiah, as you look throughout the rest of Nehemiah, I encourage you to read the whole book of Nehemiah. You're going to see that Nehemiah comes up against some serious opposition. He comes up against haters and critics and exhaustion and insecurity. At some points, they felt like complete failures because the opposition was so strong. I'll tell you what, if you take this challenge... And you ask God, what do you want me to rebuild? I want to fulfill the calling of God on my life. I will tell you, it's not a matter of uh, maybe you're going to experience opposition. It's a matter of when. You will experience opposition. In the last three years, Pastor Pradeepin and I have experienced crazy opposition. And if I'm honest with you, there's about four times we probably should have quit. And and, and honestly, many of you and, and many people, they probably wouldn't have blamed us because it has been so grueling at times. It has been so hard. The external opposition will only be as loud as my internal insecurities allow. And you know what? Like Nehemiah, we dug down deep and we remembered that people not knowing Jesus People living this life that is hard without the love of God makes us weep. And so we kept going. And we're not quitting. And I encourage you, when you get to that point, this is what's so beautiful about being a part of a community and a body of believers. When you want to quit, you go to your friend and you say, I want to quit. And they say, no, we're not going to let you quit. God is with us. Our lead team, during the times when we experienced some of the greatest opposition, they created this hashtag. I love this hashtag. And whenever we would share with each other, you know what, this is happening, this is happening. They would, the, in, in our little text group, they would say, hashtag, bow down demon. Come on. And whenever we, we struggle with something, whenever we're facing something as a lead team, whenever it, it, we're experiencing some of the greatest opposition, sometimes we just want to quit. Somebody in that group, hashtags. Send that hashtag, bow down demon. I tell you today, Jesus is giving you a burden. And can I ask you, what if it's not an accident? What if he wants you to do something with that? What if he's actually entrusted it to you specifically? I encourage you today to step out. Step out. What's the next right thing to do today? And watch what God does. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Oh, Father, I thank you for this moment. Oh, Lord, I know that in this moment, Jesus, you are speaking to people in this room right now. Lord, you are burdening us. You make us weep over something that you care about that's on your heart. And so, God, I ask right now that you would fill every person with the courage with the strength, with the boldness, with the friendships it's going to take to walk this thing out. Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for this word. We lift you up. We glorify you today, Jesus. And we love you. In Jesus' name.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.com. Church, You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.